Hello again, everybody, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Daniel Day, your host, and right now I am joined with Pastor John Lindell. John, thank you so much for joining me today. Oh, Daniel, thank you for having me on your podcast. I really appreciate it. Well, the honor is truly mine. Would you please open us up with a quick word of prayer and we'll get started. Absolutely. Heavenly Father, we thank you. You are so kind, so gracious, so loving beyond what we could imagine. And I just pray especially to those listening today as they uh, hear our conversation that first of all, we would make much of you and that uh, every heart would be stirred with uh, their significance to you and your sight, how valuable they are, how much you care about them. And Lord, may they be drawn uh, to not only a deeper walk, but a greater expectation and anticipation of your work in their lives. Uh, the miracles that we all need, God, may they have the faith and the hope to know that you're going to work in their life beyond what they can imagine. And Father, we thank you for it. Amen. 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 For those of you just joining us, we are with Pastor John Lindell. He is the lead pastor of James River Church in Springfield, Missouri. And uh, it's a multi-site church, multiple thousands of people. Pastor John is uh, someone that many of us look to for leadership and guidance. I know that he has been instrumental in my own ministry. Uh, and just observing him and his family and how they operate together has been a true inspiration. Uh, Pastor John is a, an author as well. Uh, two wonderful books. I, I'm not here to really talk about the first one, but I do want to just mention that uh, Soul Set Free I've got a copy of it right here. I, I don't know what happened to the sleeve, but I do have the book. Um, hey, the sleeve had my picture on it. it I'm going to try not to take that personal. Yes. Well, <laughs> you know what? You, you did it again with this book. So I've got your picture. Um, but I do want to say that. Don't lose that cover. <laughs> I won't lose the cover. And I'll, I'll bring it to general counsel and let you sign it for me. But um, but what I want to want to just say before we get into our topic about the about new normal is uh, the book of Romans was probably not my least favorite book, but my most frustrating book in the Bible uh, that I, that, I mean, even more frustrating than numbers. I mean, I, I would read Romans and get just bogged down in all of the, it's very, it's a very weighty book. And, um, and I would read it and read it and read it. And obviously the Romans road and all of that wonderful, but there were some portions of Romans that just really had become hurdles in my own faith walk. Your book, Soul Set Free, Help me to overcome, and also the the sermon series you did. I listened to almost the whole thing. Um, has really helped me to appreciate Romans in a new way. And so, if, if people haven't oh, read you. that book, uh, I really want to recommend Soul Set Free. But we're really not here to talk about Soul Set Free. We're here to talk about the new book, New Normal, and uh, the uh, subtitle of the book is "Experiencing God's Best for Your Life." It is an incredible resource for people, and I want to say congratulations. Well, thank you very much. Yeah. So how does it feel to have the book out there and in people's hands? You know what? I'm grateful, especially because I, I really had not been uh, thinking about writing books, but I saw after Soul Set Free the value of having something in print that you can hand some somebody uh, to read. And sometimes that's a lot easier than saying, hey, check out our podcast and listen. Uh, for a lot of people, it's just nice to have have it in print where they can look at it. They can go back, reread it, mark it up and all of that. And so uh, to have this book, I, I believe in the message of both of them. I believe in understanding grace, which is what Soul Set Free was about. And I also believe in understanding that God wants to bless people beyond what, what any of us would imagine. That doesn't mean everybody's going to be living in a mansion, but it does mean that God desires that you and I would prosper under his grace and his leading and experience 
all that he wants to do in our life, which uh, is really uh, understandably, you read Ephesians, it's more than we can ask or imagine. And so as a pastor, when I'm looking at, at people over the years, 37 years as a lead pastor, it's my observation that there's a lot of people that um, they dabble in God's blessing. They just don't live in it. Right. They have seasonal moments of God's blessing. They just don't experience it ongoing in their life. And God's blessing is neither automatic nor is it arbitrary. You know, some people are like, well, I guess, you know, that God wanted to help them. Like God doesn't want to help everybody. Or we look at people can look at other people and say, well, they, God would do that for them, but he probably wouldn't do that for me. Well, that's, that's not true. And so when you study the book of Joshua, it's just so interesting that the whole metaphor of entering a new time, a new space, a land of God's blessing, and it's not automatic and it's not arbitrary. There are things that Joshua and the, and the nation of Israel had to do to experience the goodness of the Lord in the way God wanted to do it all along. But um, if, they didn't, if they didn't cooperate with the Lord, if they didn't do what they needed to do, they weren't going to experience what God would want to do in their life. That's so key. And so I'd like to do this for the next few moments so we can turn our attention to some specifics in the book. What I like to do when I uh, interview authors is I like to kind of hone in on one chapter or two, a few key quotes that really spoke to me, and then just get your reaction, if that's okay. Sure. Um, what really kind of jumped out to me was, was chapter six. Chapter six uh, is entitled Seeing What God Sees. And in this chapter, you kind of outline a, a very unexpected, painful, elongated season in your life where you and your wife are really going through uh, some difficulty to say the least. I, I wrote down what you outlined. Uh, you were uh, overseas enjoying yourself, uh, taking some tours. And, uh, and then the next day you found yourself uh, feeling the ramifications of a blood clot in your brain. Um, then you sp speak about the uh, subsequent bike accident with your wife and, and your wife's pelvis was shattered. Uh, she was in the hospital for 14 days. Then you talk about your own journey to the Mayo Clinic, where uh, you were subsequently diagnosed with an incurable um, autonomic condition, which involved excruciating fatigue. Um, and it didn't stop there. I mean, just recently, right? Like it's like it, the, just the, call the, me Job. The, the, the gift <laughs> is the gift that keeps on giving. Um, and and so just even recently, you've you've gone through some more stuff and. Uh, by the way, can you give us a 60 second update? How are you feeling now? You know what? Thank you for asking. I'm feeling great. And uh, the prayers of God's people has been a big part of that. So I'm so grateful for that. Uh, for those who are listening, I, I was diagnosed with cancer last summer, had surgery, and then seven months later diagnosed again with cancer in the same uh, part of my body, the prostate, and had another surgery and then had a, a sepsis infection that left me packed in ice in a hospital for a few days to get the temperature down but you know what we've come through it the lord's been good and uh i'm feeling great actually yeah well praise god for that and uh we're grateful that you're feeling better because your work is definitely nowhere near done oh well thank you and Daniel. uh you know as i've spoken with leaders including a good friend of yours scotty gibbons uh interviewed him a few months ago about the journey with his back pain and everything else um I love interviewing leaders who have gone through this type of struggle because it seems like when they've stewarded well the pain, they also are stewarding a great anointing. And I see that in your life. 
And so I would like to just read a few quotes and then get your reaction because it seems like uh, for those men and women of God who have gone through similar struggles, God also uh, gifts them with a very high calling and, and God is using that uh, through this book. And here's one of the things you wrote on page 91. And I think it speaks so well to this. You say this on page 91, you write, what looks like the end to you may only be the beginning of a whole new chapter in this story of God's faithfulness that he is writing with your very life. God wants to give you eyes to see what is only possible by his great power at work in your life. Your reaction. Well, you know, I mean, it, personally applying that to, to my own life back in March when I was diagnosed with the second uh, cancer, um, honestly, at that point, I just purposed, if I've got to go through this again, I want to get the most out of it I can possibly get. And I, I think this can be uh, a season where God transforms my life. I mean, I went into it saying, I'm going to ask God to do that, and I'm going to do my best during the time that I'm recovering, because they told me it was going to be a longer recovery, a more difficult recovery. I just purpose, you know what? I'm not just going to lay around. I'm going to be in the presence of the Lord. I'm going to spend more time with him than really. I'm going to view it as a spiritual time to be with with the Lord uh, in a way like I haven't been in a long time. And so you have all that time when you're flat on your back and you can't do much else. And to just say, you know what, I'm going to be in his presence. I'm going to read things that are going to, going to stir my soul. I'm going to spend time in worship. I'm going to just seek the Lord. Um, it doesn't mean that time was easy. Uh, but when I look back on that time, uh, I wouldn't want to go through it again. But to get what I got, I would. Uh, and I think for, from that standpoint, I, I, it's been transformative for me. Uh, I had somebody, one of the parishioners, uh, just talk to me and say, you're different. Since you've come back, you're different. And um, I I know that, um, but it was interesting to hear them say that because that's what I want. I wanted to come out of this different, uh, not for any other purpose than just to be closer to the Lord than I've ever been before. And to really, uh, sometimes, you know, Daniel, I think in ministry, it's easy for us to begin doing the things we know need to be done to be effective in ministry, but along the way to find ourselves checking off, depending on our personality, the list, so to speak. So I'm spending my time with the Lord and I'm, I'm getting my time in the word and I'm, I'm trying to minister to people um, outside the church as well as inside, because I think all those things need to be a part of a, a person's life, but you go through the motions and you're doing it, you just, you can find yourself in a place where maybe you lost your first love. And it's not that you're cold toward the Lord, it's just that you're not as in your heart, um, not as motivated by a love for God as you are by a duty uh, to do it or a dedication to do it, uh, which those duty and dedication are not Un, you know, are not unimportant. But if there's not at the base of that, a love for God that says, I just love him so much. And I just want to be with him. That's all I want. I just want to be with him. Not because I have to preach a sermon next Sunday, or or I have to do whatever. And I've got unless you help me, it's not going to happen. And I think all of us find ourselves at times like that in ministry. But just to say, 
not because I need anything from you, but because I just want to be with you. That, that has changed my life. Do you think that uh, you would have gotten to this point of intimacy had you not gone through such struggle and physical pain the way you did? Um, you know what? It's I, I mean, I don't think a person has to go through struggle and physical pain to get to that place of intimacy. I think they have to take the time. And so, you know, uh, in my sense, the, the struggle gave me the time. Uh, would I have taken the time? Um, you know, there was a string in my heart, uh, you know, over the last few months where I really realized, you know, I, there's something God wants to do. And if I'm going to get to the bottom of what that is and figure that out, I'm going to have to spend more time with him to do it. Um, and so kind of simultaneously, really, I mean, I know we're not here to talk about this, but both, both my wife and I um, just found ourselves in a place where we realized, you know what, we need to turn our life. We need to, when I say turn our life around, we just need to do life different. We just, you kind of fall into some ruts of just doing what you do to get done what you need to get done. And we just said, you know, we're going to get off that carousel and we're going to, we're going to rearrange our schedule and the way we do things so that we're in his presence more. And uh, so that started really right about the time of the diagnosis. It wasn't the diagnosis that triggered it, but the diagnosis certainly made it possible to right away make some massive investments yeah. uh, in my time with the Lord. Uh, so there was not, it wasn't like I had to look at my calendar and say, what am I going to cut? How am I going to rearrange? It was like, oh, I'm going to be in bed. So there you go. <laughs> right, right. I, you know, I just wonder, um, and I'm just following your lead here and asking follow-ups as you speak. And I don't want you to think that we have to uh, follow a, a, uh, a particular layout here. If, if the Holy Spirit takes us one direction, that's great. But just in, in keeping with your train of thought, um, when I interview folks like yourself who speak about this type of thing, and, and, and as I said, interview Scotty Gibbons or others who have gone through seasons where it's their physical condition lays them out and they're forced to be still and know that God is God. When, when they're placed in a position where they're forced to lean into the intimacy of God or they could choose to be angry with God. And I'm always curious to ask the question, why did you choose to lean into the mercy and grace of God instead of the other option, which is become embittered? Uh, you know, you could have been angry. You could have been like, God, why this again? I mean, I've been through so much. I've got so much I want to do. Why am I having to go through this second diagnosis of cancer? You know, there are some people who would have chosen the ulterior route and blamed God rather than leaned into God. How did you keep yourself from doing that? You know, I think part of it is I feel like I've, I've lived my life in the bonus column relative to God's goodness. So um, he owes me nothing. I owe him everything. I really feel that way about life. And so uh, to get angry at him, um, it, you know, I just, I, I honestly, I'm sympathetic to people that find themselves in that place. Um, and I haven't lived their life, but I have lived my life. And when I look at my life, I say, God has been better to me than I ever deserved better. He's taken me on a journey. I never thought I would have. And so, um, I'm very grateful for that. And I, and really, again, to, for me, it's just a matter of, during my first cancer surgery, I bounced back a lot quicker. I mean, nine days after surgery, I was preaching. So I was, you know, moved fairly fast to the recovery. 
part of it was because COVID and I felt like I needed to get back in the pulpit, but I realized I didn't really utilize that time of recovery like I should have. I did a lot of laying around. You can lay around and do nothing. You can lay around and watch, you know, I see your Star Wars things, watch Star Wars movies, which I love Star Wars movies. I've watched them all. But, you know, you can do that kind of thing, and that's all you do. I mean, you can just kind of veg out. I purpose, I'm not doing that. I am on the second time. I looked back, and I was irritated with myself because I felt like I wasted the time that I had. I could have come out of that time with having spent time with the Lord, and I didn't. And, you know, I don't, I, again, I don't, I don't want anybody to feel like I would judge or have that view of anybody going through whatever they're going through. I only can know what I was feeling in my heart. And my heart was, um, you know, uh, I hear your voice say, seek my face. And my heart says, your face I'm going to seek. I mean, yeah. it's, it's really, it, it hit me at a time, and I think in the Lord's timing, um, that God wants to do more in me and more in the church and that in order for that to happen i just need to be with him more and and so i think that's how that works not that i can um i just have to be able to hear him better and i can only hear him better if i'm closer to him you have to lean in sometimes to hear the whisper of his voice and so that's where i wanted to be and and uh, you know i've watched what's happened as a result of that and it's been uh really um it's been really wonderful yeah. It's a I'm huge, really, I'm really grateful. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you can come through a season like what you have and say, Hey, I'm a winner. I'm a winner with Jesus. And it's that, it's that win that I'd like to kind of talk about right now. Um, on page 95, you write this, not only do we need to trust God to win our battles, but we also need to trust God to be the one who defines for us what the win looks like that just jumped off the page to me that that we always, not we, not always, but oftentimes we as Christians will tell the Lord, here's how I want, the, here's a win. Here's what I think the win should be. And we, we give God the scorecard and, and we're not even giving God any time or, or room in our lives to tell us what he thinks the ultimate outcome should be. Weigh in on that for us. Well, I think it's true. I think we all have our preferences as to what we'd like God to do. And God's gracious many times does place desires in our heart that he plans to fulfill and yet there are times that god wants to do things we can't begin to imagine and he wants to do take us places we would never have thought to go and so in that sense to be able to say lord you know i'm facing this battle and you know the outcome and often in my own you know when i look back over my life when i have determined in advance what the outcome should look like then what happens if I'm not careful is I can exercise my will or strength of personality or my influence, or I can begin to work uh, both ends against the middle to try to bring about what's my will instead of what's, what's his will. And um, so anytime I've let God do and I've leaned in and said, God, I'm going to let you defend me. I'm going to let you lead me. I'm going to let you work in this. I'm going to let you do, uh, you know, my soul wait thou only upon the Lord for my expectation is from thee. Psalm 62. Uh, anytime I've done that, uh, I fared way better. His yeah, plan is always best. Absolutely. And you even talk about that in chapter six, that, that 
submitting our desires. I'm not, it's not an exact quote, but to submit our desires to him is great because his, his motivations towards us, his thoughts towards us are always better uh, than what we could ever dream of. And I think Joshua is the classic example. I mean, he's thinking of how to take the city and he's thinking all kinds of military strategies on taking the city of Jericho. And God says, see, I've given Jericho into your hands. It's king and it's fighting men. I've given it to you. And there's nothing physically he sees that would lend him to believe that. But but the Lord then says, and I've got a great plan for how we're going to do this. You can march around the city and you're going to blow the trumpet. You're going to shout on the on the seventh day. You know, nobody would think that would work. Nobody. But that has that is so famous. Unbelievers know about the story. I mean, it, it's it's become through the ages. Uh, an amazing example of God's power and God's grace. And I think God still wants to do those kinds of things today, that he wants to do things that if we heard it wouldn't make sense to us in our mind, but if we lived it, we would we would never forget it the rest of our life. Right. And, and really what you're alluding to there is trust. And that brings me to my next quote on page 97. You write, when you trust what God says, when you trust God's vision over your vision, God acts. Believing is the one thing that God cannot do for you. You have to choose to trust. But from there, God will do what only God can do. He will fight your battles for you. I'm wondering uh, if you could weigh in on this a little bit. How, how did you personally get to a place where you've lived that out, you know, how have you, was it a person in your life, a mentor just over time? Uh, how did God, you know, work in your own life to get you to a point where you can trust him, even in these seasons of hardship that you've articulated already? Well, you know, honestly, I, I think the life of faith is lived at the deep end of the pool. And I think if any of us ever find ourselves in a place where we're doing life in a way where we feel competent, um, because I think as competency goes up, dependency goes down. And so, you know, I, I just think it, you have to look at it that way. If you feel if your competency is real high, your dependency, if you're not careful, is going to be low. And so for for me, when I look at my life, I've I've just I found myself in places where I say, God, if you don't help me, if you don't show up, it's not going to go well. And and I need you to show up. And so stepping out in faith and taking, you know, living a life where you feel you're in over your head. And if any of us think we can do what God has called us to do, we don't understand what he's called us to do. If I think I can do it on my own, then I don't understand uh, really the scale and the scope of what he wants to do, because he wants to do something so that when it's all said and done, people look at us and they say, well, I know John Lindell and, and I know he couldn't do that. Uh, I'm always I'm always thrilled when people visit the church. And um, if we get a chance to visit, you know, they, they look at the church and they're like, they're like, wow. And then they talk with me, you know, at, at lunch or coffee and they're like, how, you know, and so, I, <laughs> you know, and I love that because I think that is that then God gets all the glory because he does something that's so far beyond us. People say, well, he's not that smart. He's not that, you know, uh, to me, that's a wonderful place to be. And so God is God is really uh, through the years placed me in situations where I was truly in over my head. I and I think I've tried even as as there have been places where it's been my own planning. I, 
I want to do something for the Lord that requires him. I, I don't want something that just requires me. I want something that unless he shows up, uh, it's not going to be a great day. Right. And, and, you know, we were speaking off air a few moments ago uh, that we have some mutual friends that knew you when you were in youth group. And I'm, and if you, you know, if, the, if they told me at dinner, you know, we, we were having dinner at, it was the last time we had general counsel here in Orlando. And at dinner time, they were telling me, yeah, John Lindell was in my youth group and, and uh, we have a history. And he goes, if you could have known him back then, you would have never thought, you know, that, that's that, true. And, and I'm just sitting here thinking, you know, God truly is amazing. Um, I think every man or woman of God who does something amazing for him probably has a similar thing that, that God picked them for that very reason. So true. For that so very true. Reason. I'd like to conclude our interview. By the way, this has been very meaningful. Thank you. Um, good stuff. And, and I wrote that down. The higher your competency, the less your dependency. I don't know if that's a if that's something that was original with you, but that that's really good. That is, that is, you need to give, give that, give that to Brandon, give that to Brandon or David and let them own that and write the book. They can. Yeah, write I'll have Brandon. I'll have Brandon make that his quote on Instagram. Yes. 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 <laughs> yes. And tag me, tag me in that. Tag me. He'll tag you. Yeah, no, he won't. We're not even friends. He doesn't even know me. Anyway. Um, so uh, Joshua chapter five, verses 13 and 14 is how you open up chapter six. And I'd like to read it and then just um, talk about um, how we need to see like God sees so that we can do what God wants us to do. And I love this where uh, all of a sudden Joshua is face to face with uh, the commander of the Lord's army. It says now when Joshua was near Jericho, he looked up and he saw a man standing in front of him with a drawn sword in his hand. And Joshua went up to him and asked, are you for us or for our enemies? And the commander said, neither. But as the commander of the army of the Lord, I have come now. Then Joshua fell face down on the ground in reverence. And anytime I've ever read that passage, I always take that. And I'm also just totally open to learning more about this. But every time I've read that, I feel like the angel of the Lord there isn't on either of their sides, but he's asking Joshua, it's almost an invitation. Are you on my side? Like, I think that's exactly right. Yeah. And, um, and so when, when he stopped seeing in the natural and started seeing in the spiritual, it changed everything. Please close us out by talking about how we can begin to walk by faith and not by natural sight. You know, I think I think there has to be a willingness to say, God, I want to see like like you see and to understand that we live in a very spiritual world. And it is, you know, there's a physical world, there's a spiritual world. Paul says this. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen for what is seen is temporary. What is unseen is eternal. There's a lot to be said for how we're going to focus on things, how we're going to look at things. And if we can recognize that there is a spiritual battle that is really going on underneath all of the physical realities we see in life, it can help us to say, God, what is it that you want to do? And really, I, I think one of the things that's helped me, especially recently, is just Debbie and I practice this now. So this is what we do. You know, before I go into a place, I say, Lord, I'm getting ready to go in here and I want you to go before me 
And Lord, I don't know who I'm going to meet in there. I don't know what they're going to say, but I want, I want divine encounters. I want divine appointments. I, I want your presence to be so strong in that place that it creates the opportunity to, to minister to people. And then in my own nature, because I'm a, I can be a very uh, on a mission kind of guy and just get it, go early. So I don't see a lot of people. So I get it done. And I've really had to say, you know, listen, that's not, that's not helpful to divine appointments. So Debbie and I have been challenging one another to have these. And it's been fun to just watch if I will position myself to say, Lord, I just want your presence on my life so much. You know, the, the word anointing uh, can be translated as smeared. I, I just want the Holy Spirit, the oil of the Holy Spirit, so on me that it'd be like I literally had oil on me. And so if I opened the door, if I touch whatever you touch, wherever I walked, you know, it would leave a, a trail of oil and that it would wherever I go, it would have a trail of his presence. I think when we begin to think of life that way and we fix our eyes, you know, on things above, not on things below. You know, Paul tells us to do that. And the writer of Hebrews says, fix our eyes on Jesus. There's something about where we're looking is what we're going to see. Hmm. I think it's too easy to get caught up in the physical realm. And so that's all we see. And if we'll purpose and, and discipline ourselves and really in our own prayer time as we're and as we're going through the day, say, Lord, I, I want to hear your voice. What is it that you're doing right now? What is it you want to do? And then you walk into that, you'll be surprised how many times he shows you things you were never aware of. I, to me, that's part of seeing what he sees. And um, if we can do it in the little things of life, we'll automatically do it in the big things of life. You know, this is the thing. Life's made up of little things. Take care of the little things and the big things will take care of themselves. I think we have a tendency, humanly speaking, to get caught up in the big moments. And there are big moments and, and they certainly make us aware of what we need from the Lord. But um, if we can, if we can really think in terms of the moment by moment, little moments, and take care of those, the big things are automatically going to take care of themselves. That's so good. So when you're walking into the gym, you already know what you're there to do. You're there to work out. But as you're walking in, you and Debbie might pray, Lord, who am I here for? Who, yeah. who I know why I'm here. I'm here to work out, but who am I here for? It's and exactly. All, and all of a sudden your eyes are open to different things. You're looking, you're, 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 it created a category in your mind to look actively look for the opportunity to be a light well and i think this i think what we value we attract mm, so good. so you know what if i value gossip i'm going to attract gossip you, you know you can drop the person who values gossip in in a crowd and the gossips will find them wow. and it's not because they have a sign that says i love gossip it's what they value what a person values what they see is where they set their gaze in life that's what they're going to attract and if i'm if I'm valuing divine encounters and I'm valuing being used by the Lord to minister his grace to people, I'm going to attract that because he's going to see to it because then I'm in a place to actually be used because I'm thinking about it. I'm cognizant of it. And so uh, for Debbie and I, it's really, I, I think, especially in what we do where James River's big, um, 
I don't want to discount what God does through the, the public aspect of the ministry, but I also want to be very clear with myself that if that's all God does through me, it's a pretty, pretty hollow ministry. Hmm. You know, I mean, really, I mean, for all of us as pastors, if, if all we can do is what we do in the pulpit and we can't do it in the parking lot of Lowe's or Walmart or in, in the places where we go, something's lost, something's wrong. And I, it, we can too easily find our comfort, our identity, our satisfaction in things that are a part of our vocational calling instead of part of our personal relationship with Jesus. No, that's, that's absolutely spot on. Um, I've always heard it said we reproduce who we are, not who we hope to be or who we preach. We reproduce who yeah. we are. So if we want our church to be soul winners, we have to be soul winners. Amen. Exactly. Exactly. Well, I can't think of a better way to, to end our talk than just to have you pray over us. And, uh, you know, perhaps there's some people out there listening right now that are really struggling in their faith. Uh, maybe they're maybe they're going through an elongated season where they're unemployed or, or some other dark time. Maybe they're going through some type of sickness and they're they're just really needing a, a shot in the arm spiritually right now. Would you just say a prayer for them that they would start seeing their circumstance through the eyes of God? Okay. Heavenly Father, I thank you um, again for how much you love us. And I, I pray for people who are watching this podcast and listening to it, whatever they're going through, wherever they're at. Lord, may in that moment they sense the power of your presence. I pray that they would know how much you care for them and you're, you love them and you have power to help them and you're a good God and you desire to do good things in their life. I pray that, Lord, as they look to you, that you'd open the eyes of their heart, that they would recognize there's more to this life than the things of this life. There's more to this life than the things that we can see. But, Lord, there's a spiritual world, a real world, and that, Lord, you desire to show us your power and to lead us on a spiritual journey that involves not only uh, a knowledge of you and a relationship with you, but your power working in us and through us, uh, not only in our life, but in the lives of others. I pray that, God, you would uh, lift all of our eyes to walk in a greater sensitivity to you, a greater dependence upon you, and that, Lord, for those who are in a struggle, you'd give them hope and a sense that you're with them. We thank you for it, Lord. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Friends, the book is New Normal. You've got to go pick this up, read it, and experience God's best for your life. Pastor John, thank you for writing the book. Thank you for joining us today on this podcast. It's a real pleasure. Oh, Daniel, thank you. It's been great to visit with you. And uh, thanks for helping us get the word out of, on the book. I just pray it's a blessing to people. They can pick it up on Amazon. There's also a study guide they can use for small group study. And uh, I've had a lot of people say it's been really a blessing that way. Well, it is. And I want to encourage all of my friends, anyone listening to this podcast, pick it up. Get a few copies for your team. If you're a team leader, go through it together. And uh, it really will be of assistance to help you grow your faith and see things the way that God wants you to see things. Pastor John, God bless you. Thank you. God bless you. You take care. We'll see you at General Council. Yes, sir.